direct and to the point, as always. That's my style. Hey, welcome back Screen Crush. I'm Ryan Harry and let's talk about Ahsoka Episode 7. So I've got some really strong thoughts on this episode. Mostly positive, but you know what? It wasn't perfect. And we only have one episode left to go and I've got some theories on where this show is going to end up. And it's going to be a kind of Ragnarok for the Star Wars universe that I cannot wait to tell you guys about. The end game of this series was actually set up in Rebels with some very cool hidden details. And as always, thanks for watching the channel and supporting us at our merch store, ScreenCrushMerch.com, where we have this Grand Admiral Athletic Polo. Say no to death sticks, The Apprentice Lives, Hello There, and many more. We deeply appreciate your support, so now let's talk about Ahsoka. So, the part with C-3PO was cool, but I know the real reason 3PO is in this show is because he speaks for Leia. And guys, just, just recast Leia. Why you stuck up, half-witted, scruffy-looking nerf herder? It's okay. I know. In fact, a little later, I want to talk to a couple Star Wars experts, Colton Ogburn and Heather Antos, so I can get their thoughts on recasting and also hear their thoughts on this episode and theories for what's going to happen next. So here's another nitpick about this episode. In the opening where the Empire is like using mines out in space, a star whale should have died. What? But that would have been so sad. Exactly! We need higher stakes in this show. Every character has plot armor. All the heroes are going to be around for the Dave Filoni movie. So why not show how Thrawn is evil by having him kill a defenseless animal? Like, not every character is immortal. I'm sure Balin's gonna die in the next episode, but I'm gonna talk about that later on. Now, I have talked a lot on the Screen Crush TikTok and IG Reels about how I'm not the biggest Ezra fan. And like, he's kind of fun in this episode, but I would love to see some actual character development with this guy. I knew I could count on you. He has been gone for 10 years. How has he changed? In the past decade, has he struggled? How did he get away from Thrawn? Have his powers grown? He just seems like the exact same person and nobody's the same after 10 years, especially from the ages 18 to 28. I feel like they could have done a lot with this character in this episode, but they ignored all those possibilities for the thrill of seeing Ezra Bridger as we know him in live action. Well, geez, what kind of change did you want to see? Well, he could have been a little darker, I guess. I mean, he flirted with the dark side in Rebels, or at least he could have seemed relieved or surprised to have seen Sabine instead of being so casual. Sure took you long enough. He and Ahsoka have a much more tearful reunion later on, while Ezra and Sabine were actually much closer in Rebels. Sabine. My name's Sabine. And my big pet peeve in this episode is in this scene, where Hu Yang is talking and then stops talking and Ahsoka interrupts him like a beat later. Cannot land while under attack. Standard Jedi mission protocol states. Won't need to land. Oh, not this again. I mean, that is just... That's just bad editing. Exactly. High five. I will say, though, that the scale of the space battle was awesome, and I'm glad I saw it on the big screen. Ahsoka is playing at a local cineplex near you? I'm afraid not, buddy, and that's really a shame because all these new Star Wars shows feel so cinematic. They're created with such high-end cameras and visual effects that they really deserve to be seen on the big screen. So I projected the episode with my Mars 3 projector. They're the sponsor of this video. This is by far the best projector that I have ever owned. It uses 1,000 ANSI lumens, bright enough for an up to 200-inch screen, or a 
a six by four feet movie screen. And it is so bright that you can use it in daylight. Plus it uses AI technology to automatically adjust the screen size. No more screwing around with the manual settings. These Nebula projectors are all in one with Android TV 10.0. You can download more than 7,000 apps, including Netflix and YouTube. In fact, you don't even need to use the HDMI inputs. It's like carrying a smart TV wherever you go. The ultra long lasting battery supports up to five hours of playtime, or it can run as a speaker for 15 hours. You can even use it to charge your phone if you go camping. And that's what I really love about this projector. It is great for the outdoors. I mean, it's fall. It's perfect outdoor movie weather. It is IPX3 water resistant, 0.5 meter drop resistant, 0.7 millimeter dust resistant, and even comes with a built-in stand. Plus the sound is amazing with the three direction, 40 watt speaker and Dolby Digital Plus. So this stunning all-in-one projector is really a must have for movie fans. Click our link in the description to get yours today. Now back to Ahsoka. By the way, everybody, this video is also gonna be on our Screen Crush Rewind podcast on all of these platforms here. Now I've got a few other problems I wanna talk to Colton and Heather about, but there was also a lot to love in this episode. Like Thrawn is better than I ever dreamed. He is amazing. You're quite right. Like, I loved the way the Filoni realized him in Rebels, but seeing him portrayed with like the same voice in live action, this is like one of the greatest all-time Star Wars villains. And for decades, he only existed on the page and then in animation. And now like a whole new swath of Star Wars fans get to experience this nuanced character firsthand. Like, I really hope the show and movie don't end up portraying him as like a mustache twirling villain because the Thrawn in the novels is much more caring and nuanced. He has the potential to be the greatest Star Wars villain ever. Wait, really? Yes, because in Star Wars, the movies typically aren't given any real motivations or character development. They wear all black, they blow up planets, they dress like Nazis. But Thrawn is simply a brilliant tactician who always believes that he is serving the greater good and he never ever seeks personal power. And speaking of villains, I also love the Night Sisters in live action. They are another piece of Star Wars lore that are lifted from the novels. And they're so different from anything else in the saga. They're mysterious, they're creepy, and I think they're going to end up being the real threat in the Dave Filoni culmination movie. I'm sure their plan is to return to Dathomir and resurrect their people, which I'm telling you could include Asajj Ventress and Darth Maul, both of whom have attachments to Night Sister magic in the Clone Wars. So wait, who's Asajj? Who's, who's, who is that? Asajj Ventress is Dooku's former apprentice and assassin. She actually got name dropped in this episode. In this war, you will face more than just droids. General Grievous. And Ezra not using a lightsaber in that battle was a great choice. Like a lightsaber would have made him too powerful and we just would have expected him to dominate all these night troopers. But his decision to go without does create some interesting questions. Is he now using the force in a different way? Does he sense that Sabine needs practice with the saber? In fact, maybe Ezra is the missing ingredient to Sabine learning the force because he has the ability to give her confidence. Good job, Kylie. You're doing amazing, sweetie. Wow, look at her go. Also, the live action Ezra looks fantastic. Amanis Fondi feels so natural in the role, like he's been doing it for years. And his blue eyes give him this otherworldly look, like he's been doing Spice with the other Freeman in the past 10 years. In fact, all of the live action translations have been spot on. Zeb, Hera, Sabine, and I really hope that at some point, Freddie Prinze Jr. gets to play a force ghost of Kanan. Or like maybe we'll see him in a flashback or something. But mostly, I love how this show is like hinting at a larger world without over 
never explaining it. Like we see the ruins of the Night Sister Kingdom, but we don't know what happened. We don't know what happened to Balin or Ezra or Thrawn. The show is leaving a lot of open ground for comics, animation, and books to fill in these gaps. Like this is one area where the sequel trilogy truly failed. They only left a short one year gap between Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker for other creators to tell stories about the Resistance and Rey fighting the First Order. So this show is leaving lots of room for fun fan theories, which is why I'm excited to talk to Heather Antos and Colton Ogburn. And just a reminder everybody, Colton is the man who's eternally trapped in our television, but he does not know it, so please don't tell him. Heather, first I want to start with you. What were your thoughts on Ahsoka Episode 7? Uh, finally, you know, that's that's kind of how <laughs> I felt. Um, you know, this, this, this episode did not have any of the pacing or structure issues that I think we've seen in the previous episodes. Um, it moved. Uh, it moved a lot, and I thought it was super fun. I mean, just Thrawn is excellent. Just, just God, I wish he was in from episode two, episode three, so we could have more of him this this whole time. I know you particularly don't like Ezra as a character, Ryan, but I did enjoy what they did with him. Um, this episode, I think the little banter he had um, with the uh, bad guys and you know not wanting the lightsaber uh and and how they used his his combat style you know force pushing and very hand-to-hand it was almost like a shaolin monk type thing Mm -hmm. um which i really really enjoyed um i i loved all of it i think the only part of the episode that i could have i don't want to say done without but i don't really understand how this storyline fits in yet is the Hera um, and New Republic trial of all of that. Obviously, mm-hmm. that's building towards something that we'll probably see in the films or and uh, Dave Filoni's film, or it might tie in more with the next season of Mandalorian. I don't know, but um, I I feel like that moment could almost be entirely removed, and it doesn't really affect the the overall story that that we're experiencing yet. Um, yeah, well, we won't know till the finale. We I mean, won't definitely, know. Yeah, those stick out like sore thumbs, and all like I think since episode three, we've been yeah. getting since she and Ahsoka parted plate, parted ways. Um, look, and I know earlier I complained about Ezra, and I talk about Ezra on our social videos and our TikToks a lot. I, I tend to keep it off the main channel. I, I am treating this Ezra as like a different character. You know, it's okay. a different actor portraying him. Um, and I was fine mostly with like his little interplay. He came off a little bit more like Han Solo, a little less annoying. I, I do, I do want to know what what the hell has been like. What's his character development up to this point? He's been gone for ten years. He's been in exile. What happened with Thrawn when he landed? Like, one thing like I talked about earlier, I am excited about is like how this show is setting up all these other stories that we don't get to see yet. So I, I'm cautiously optimistic that Ezra will stop being annoying. And that, you know, when he joins the new galaxy, hopefully, I think we have a video coming out about this tomorrow, and we see what's going to happen in that Dave Filoni movie, maybe Ezra side by side with Luke Skywalker will, you know, kind of ease my feelings on him just a little bit. So Colton, what about you? What did you think of episode seven? Well, you know, I've liked this series overall, but I I think I can be a little critical of this episode. It it wasn't my favorite. I enjoyed the, the action and the... Uh, the interactions between Sabine and Ezra. My only problem with it is they seem so nonchalant about the whole thing. Sabine has traveled to a different galaxy. He's been stranded on this planet for 10 years, and he's just kind of like, so uh, 
Yeah, so what what happened? Oh, you don't want to talk about it? It's complicated. Yeah. Okay, uh, so what else do you want to talk about? It's like, oh my god, like, why aren't you just, like, asking a million questions? And they kind of imply off screen that they talked about it, which I thought was right. kind of weird. Well, you don't want to, like, rehash information for the audience, but yeah. sometimes it's fun to watch people learn that information. Like, I wish I could have seen Ahsoka meeting Luke Skywalker for the first time, you know? Yeah, and, like, I don't get me wrong, I hate exposition i hate exposition but it would have been really cool to see ahsoka tell sabine about luke skywalker the the jedi yeah. that saved the galaxy that would have been yeah. really neat um but i mean i i didn't hate the episode i i really liked it i enjoyed it um i liked seeing c-3po and i i love how he's kind of like admired as a bit of a war hero like alongside <laughs> the you know <laughs> leia true. and luke and all of them yeah he's yeah, like, like oh. a hushed oh. Yeah, oh, that's the guy. Yeah, I thought that was cool. Thrawn was great. Um, I think it's just, I think it's kind of clear where they're going. The, the next episode's the finale, right? Yeah. So I, I think that what we're going to see, my prediction would be, is Thrawn and the Night Sisters get out of Dodge. They go back to the main galaxy. Our heroes are stuck on Peridia. They're stranded there. They're not stranded there. They'll either get back like via the whales or uh, the world between worlds, which I know you're going to talk about here in a little bit, uh, like with Balin and all that. I, I think that's where the story is going. I think it's been clear Thrawn was not the antagonist of this series. Mm -hmm. Balin was the antagonist of this series. And I don't mean that as mm -hmm. he's a villain, but just he's the opposite of Ahsoka in terms of their missions. So like we've talked about in other videos Sabine, uh, not Sabine, uh, Ahsoka and Ezra have a lot of, you know, experience with the world between worlds, what that type of power can bring. And I think that's what Balin is seeking. So I, I think that's more where the finale is going to go. And I think Thrawn is, go I think his story is going to be followed up in the movie, not so much the finale of this series. Hmm. Now, before I get too deep into theories, Heather had a follow up. Colton brought up uh, Ahsoka fighting Balin. Mm -hmm. And I, I Again. think you pointed pointed out again yeah i think you pointed out in a past talk back or maybe it was on our easter egg video um that it was interesting that in their first duel ahsoka does away she doesn't use her dual saber style she goes more like single two-handed broadsword to in a way to match balin and in this duel she went you know full samurai with, with the longer yeah. and shorter blades what was your take on that because you're a star wars fighting nerd i am yeah i think that uh, this this particular fight to me and, and watching um, it it felt more like a this is the real fight. The previous fight didn't felt you know more defensive and and wasn't as aggressive. And and this right. this to me was much more. This fight counts. This fight matters. And maybe one of us isn't walking out of it, and that's okay. Ahsoka's gonna go all in with it. She's gonna go with mm -hmm. what she's most comfortable with. Um, and, and this is the, I think we got more of the Ahsoka fighting style that we are accustomed to is from seeing it in Clone Wars and Rebels and this. Yeah, maybe because in that first fight, she was just trying to get the map and that exactly. explains the defensive style. Well, the part of this fight that I thought was most interesting though was how it ended with Balin saying, you, you know, you can't beat me. Like it's a, like, and in our Easter egg video I pointed out, I mean, this woman took down Darth Maul before she could vote. <laughs> Um, what is it about Balin, you think? Like, was that your read from the fight that Ahsoka was outmatched? I mean, That's not who the hell is this guy? Like, yeah. th this character, it's a shame we won't see him portrayed by Ray Stevenson after next episode, you know? Yeah, I'm, I'm very curious how they're going to 
solve quote unquote the death of Ray Stevenson in this if 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 his if Balin was always intended to die I I know we talked a little bit about that last week about being one of the potential theories um but as we know Star Wars doesn't recast doesn't want to recast anymore I never in a million years got the sense that he was quote unquote better than Ahsoka at, at lightsaber dueling or the Force or anything like that that definitely implies of maybe previous encounters going back to episode one Balin knew of Ahsoka knew she would be an issue knew she would be a problem but if he mm -hmm. knew that he that she could never defeat him then why would he be so concerned about her that in, this entire time um yeah, yeah. And as, as I'm going to talk about later on when I get into my theories you know Colton, you alluded to this, but I do think that Balin's going to end up in some ways being the heart of the show. Mm -hmm. And then in a lot of ways, he's going to kind of bring it full circle with Ahsoka's buried trauma and things like that and the connections to Anakin and maybe even Thrawn along the way in there. I'm just, I'm really hyped to see that. Um, but you touched on the thing that uh, I'm really irritated about, about Star Wars in general. And I think we have a video coming out about this really soon. Colton, with the recasting, right? Great to see C-3PO. But he's basically there because they didn't have a recast Leia. And I don't know if you watch the show Strange New Worlds, Heather. I know you do. Wonderful show, uh, prequel before Star Trek, the original series, where certain characters from the original series have been portrayed by different actors, including, you know, Ethan Peck, grandson of Gregory Peck. But he is great as Spock. There is a new Kirk. There is a new Uhura, a new Scotty. These are people who maybe before J.J. Abrams, they never would have dreamed of recasting, but they've been recast as younger actors. And it's fine. It's... Whereas Lucasfilm has decided that after Solo, you, they're canon. It's like they're saints. It's like there's a religion that says you can never redraw them on a piece of paper as a different person. And that's silly to me. I, I just think a recast Princess Leia coming in there, maybe even as Billy Lord, if you want to keep it in the family, would have had, it just would have made more sense within the universe. And if we're going to get to a point uh, where this Thrawn movie, right, if it is heir to the, if they're doing heir to the empire, then we're going to need to see this original cast. It's just really silly to me that we have it. Um, Colton, what do you think? Do we recast? Do we not recast? Uh, oh, I'm I'm very pro recast. Uh, um, when Chadwick Boseman passed away, I I thought they should have recast T'Challa. Uh, when Carrie Fisher passed away, th there were talks about you know she was very close with Meryl Streep. I, I think that could have been a good choice to continue the story of Leia. M maybe not. Maybe, you know, in the, the nine episodic films and it's the last one, maybe you don't recast. But what you have to remember, and, and what Carrie Fisher understood, I, I was watching a documentary a few weeks ago where she actually said, I'm not famous. Princess Leia is famous, and I right. have her face. And right. th that's what I loved <laughs> about that. And yeah. she, In Wishful she, Drinking, she talks about how strange it was to see her face on pest dispensers and yeah. I, I peel my face back and I pull candy out you know <laughs> yeah and see what what she understood was that it stories like star wars and stories in general they're about characters and and that's what makes star wars so good and you you have to be able to move beyond this idea that you can't recast and see like when disney bought lucasfilm and bought star wars what is star wars star wars is Luke, Han, Leia, and I, I just can't believe that those valuable characters that they purchased, they're not planning on using, like, because they just refuse to recast. So I do hope in the Filoni movie, and yeah, we're definitely going to talk about this in tomorrow's video, uh, I do hope that they will 
recast. I, I don't know what that looks like with, you know, they have recast Solo, but they're doing the de-aging stuff with Luke, or the it's not even de-aging, they're like well, putting a artificial face on that other actor. Solo I, is, is the example I think that they're citing is why not to do it. When I've, yeah. I've thought, and Heather, I want to hear what you think about this, I've always thought the reason Solo bombed wasn't because a different guy played Han Solo, it's because nobody ever cared about young Han Solo. Whereas if you were going to ask any Star Wars fan, like when Lucasfilm bought it, like, what do you want to see next? To be like, oh, well, I want to see what happens after Return of the Jedi. And that doesn't just mean episodes seven, eight, and nine. It means we, what, like, what were the Legends novels that we loved for years? They were the further adventures of Luke, Han, and Leia. And like I was talking about earlier, if you're doing the Mandalorian, okay, the Mandalorian's in the Outer Rim. Great, 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 great. That's fine. But that's the Outer Rim stuff. If we're dealing with New Republic, we got to see what these guys are up to. Heather, what do you think about this? Do we recast? Oh, 100%. I am I'm fully on recasting. Recasting works if you have writers who know what they're doing, directors who know what they're doing, and actors who can who know how to embody those core traits of the characters that that we love. You know, obviously, um, I think in something like Star Wars, you don't want them to look too far away from from the original sure. actors. But yeah. but recasting 100% works. I, I agree. I think the reason Solo bombed and wasn't as, you know, financially successful as, as they had hoped is you released uh, a Star Wars film six months after the previous Star Wars film. True. Um, and the, and, and it's not that I don't think people didn't care about young Han Solo. I think it's more so that that wasn't the story anyone was interested in learning. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, you're answering questions that no one wanted answered. Um, why does he call him Chewie? Right. Why is, why is he solo? Why is his last name solo? You know? I think it comes down to that wasn't what anyone was interested in, you know? Like, if it was, uh, I, I think Solo um, would have done, been more successful as, as a TV show, show like this, where it's like one and done, different smuggling missions, you know? Maybe Han, yeah. is, Han is on the run from some criminal organization. Who knows, right? But I think... I think that's how you utilize that character um, and and not answer questions that, that no one asked. And also, like, Solo had the misfortune of coming out before that the Disney Plus train was going, you know. So yep. I agree with you, though. And it's a kind of a bad look. Like, everybody loved Donald Glover as Lando. He's getting his own, well, was series. Now it's going to be a movie. It's kind of a bad look, though, if the only character you're willing to recast is the first black person in the franchise. It, it's you know, a bad so- look, but I, but I think it, it goes to show if you have an actor that can carry who that character is, if you have, you know, if it's written in a way that that truly captures who that character is. And I think mm-hmm. Donald Glover is a perfect example of that. Um, like you, you watch that portrayal and he is, he, he is invoking Billy D like he oozes it. Um, mm-hmm. And without doing an impression, without which is doing what the Strange an, New Worlds yeah. characters do so well, yeah, exactly, and that's a very, very hard thing to do. And nothing against Alden Ehrenreich; I think he did a great job. He was great. He's great in everything. Yeah. Exactly, but it just—I—I I think with that script, with that story, there was no way that he was going to succeed at, at Han Solo. It's such an impossible task. And again, I think having that film come out 
when Last Jedi left theaters not even a month before yeah. was is just a terrible, terrible distribution mistake. Yeah, so going forward in the, in, in the movie and everything else, I just, I really want them to move away from deep fakes and just put the characters on screen, just show the courage and move past Solo and, and just do, like, move us into the next phase of Star Wars, basically. Well, guys, thanks for both of your thoughts. You can follow Heather and Colton on their socials, which are listed below. And now I want to get into my theory on Ragnarok and Balin and the world between worlds and how in the hell this whole thing is going to wrap up. So like Colton said, I don't think we're going to get much resolution of the Thrawn story in the next episode. They're going to get back to the main galaxy. I think the main final conflict is going to be between Balin and Ahsoka. Now, there is a big clue with Balin and Shen's names. Balin and Shen were the names of two wolves in Norse mythology who chased the sun and the moon across the sky until Ragnarok. So we pointed out in our Easter egg video last week that they even ride a black and white howler to symbolize these two wolves from mythology. Now, you could say that Ahsoka represents the sun and Sabine represents the moon because they are master and apprentice. But the real question here is what is the Star Wars version of Ragnarok? Remember, Ragnarok is not just the destruction of Asgard, it's also the rebirth of Asgard. You can rebuild this place. It will become a haven for all peoples and aliens of the universe. Now, Balin alluded to this when he talked about not repeating the cycle of the galaxy. What I seek is the beginning. So I may finally bring this cycle to an end. Balin sees that the Jedi and Sith are locked in a never-ending cycle of death. And, much like Daenerys Targaryen, he seeks to break the wheel. Now, you might think that the Star Wars Ragnarok would be the rise of Thrawn and the destruction of the New Republic, but that's just part of the same endless cycle. So I think their Ragnarok actually relates to the world between worlds. So we have talked about this realm extensively in our videos. It is a junction of all time and space where Ezra visits in Rebels, and it's also where he reached back in time to save Ahsoka's life. And in that same episode, Ezra wanted to save the life of his master, Kanan Jairus, but Ahsoka warned him to not change the past. Kanan gave his life so that you could live. If he's taken out of this moment, you all die. Here's what I think is going to happen in the finale. We know that you can access the world between worlds through different gateways, like the one on Lothal. And we also know that these gateways exist on four sensitive planets, like the Sith Temple on Malachor or on Lothal. So I think there's also a gateway to the world between worlds on this ancient force planet of Peridia. Now, we pointed out several videos ago that the figures on top of this portal do look like the Zepho. The Zepho are the ancient race of long dead force wielders from Fallen Order. And this Night Sister Palace is covered in Zepho runes like we've talked about in past episodes. Adding to that, Mastertainment on the channel Heavy Spoilers pointed out these animals on the side of that Zepho portal look a lot like the Howlers. This makes me think that this portal leads to Peridia. So Dave Filoni was actually setting up this ending of Ahsoka years in advance. I think that Thrawn is going to return to the main galaxy and the heroes will be abandoned. And then they will have to use the world between worlds to get home. But then Balin will enter the realm because he wants to restart the Jedi Order with something new. That like him, embraces a larger view of the Force. I think that in the world between worlds, he will see pivotal moments from the past, like Anakin swearing allegiance to Palpatine, but he'll ignore those moments instead of changing them, because he doesn't want to save the Jedi Order. He wants to erase and rebuild the Jedi Order. Maybe he'll actually look back to the days of the Prime Jedi, that's the subject of the James Mangold Dawn of the Jedi movie, and Balin will want to reshape the Order from the beginning. But, like Ahsoka warned Ezra, this has dire consequences. See, I, I think the world between worlds is not like natural. It was built 
by the Zepho to be a gate across time and space. You know, if the Zepho were gonna be so important, I, I wish they would have given them a much less silly name. I know, they sound like a Marx brother, don't they? So anyways, I think the Zepho civilization fell because they turned to the dark side and then they tried to use the world between worlds to control time and space. When Balin tries to change the past, maybe he'll be forced to face a Zepho guardian like the ones that you fight in Fallen Order. So when Balin tries to change the past, he will cause the desolation of this realm, a kind of Ragnarok of the Force. And this is important because a few episodes ago, we saw that Anakin Skywalker seemed to be in the world between worlds and that Ahsoka had a psychic connection to this realm. So that means that spirits of people in the Force, the spirits that Rey heard at the end of Rise of Skywalker, those spirits reside in this realm, or at least this realm is a gateway that can connect those spirits to people who are living. So if Balin destroys the world between worlds, that is going to free the spirit of Palpatine from this realm. <laughs> That's right. I think that Balin's actions will actually lead to Palpatine's spirit being set free. Palpatine's spirit is going to escape the world between worlds and then exit through a gate to another world that is strong in the Force, the Sith planet of Exegol that we saw in The Rise of Skywalker. Welcome to Exegol! And all of that is going to explain this silly-ass quote. Somehow Palpatine returned. Now you guys know that I've never been a fan of Palpatine suddenly coming back from the dead, but if Star Wars can make really quality stories, then you know what? I'm all for it. But what do you think is gonna happen in the finale? What did you think of this episode? Let me know your thoughts down in the comments below or at me on Twitter. And if it's your first time here, please subscribe, smash that bell for alerts. For Screen Crush, I'm Ryan Airy.